Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom and welcome, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is Ryan Cabrera here at Beit Tehillah in studio with Pastor Nick Plummer. And uh, real quick, before we get started on Shemot, uh, our tour portion for this week, a uh, couple just housekeeping items. Uh, first and foremost, if you listened uh, last week, we had some audio issues with the interview uh, with the folks from Blessed by Israel, but they were such a blessing, and I hope you guys did get a chance to listen to that one. If you haven't yet, uh, do go back and listen to it. It's totally worth it uh, because those are great folks, and I think that uh, you should check them out and support their ministry. Uh, also, uh, as always, our, our services on Shabbat, are live streamed. So if you don't live close to the Brandon area, uh, I do encourage you to go online and check out uh, our services at topraise.net and live stream them on Saturdays at 11. And uh, last but not least, uh, we have uh, a very special guest coming this coming Shabbat. Uh, It's going to be Zach Waller and his family, his uh, wife and their four boys. Uh, And they're going to be here and they actually have a a full load of of services that they're going to be doing with us. Uh, on January 6th, with his, uh, which is the Shabbat service at 11, uh, he's going to be sharing. Uh, we're also going to have a Havdalah service on the 6th as well at 6 p.m. And then for our Monday night Bible study, uh, Zach is going to also be uh, helping facilitate our Bible study and sharing on Monday night as well. And so the, uh, the Sabbath service is going to be live stream as usual, and so will the Monday night study on January 8th. And so uh, without further ado, we are going to jump right into Shemot, which is the names, or also a.k.a. Exodus. Uh, and this Torah portion is Exodus 1-1 through chapter 6, verse 1. And so, Pastor Nick, I think that uh, we've got a load of stuff to talk about today, huh? Oh, this is just like uh, going right into the book of Genesis, right out of the gate, uh, over five chapters, of, of course, one verse in, in chapter 6. But we're going to jump right into this. So who were the children that came into Egypt? We have Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. Uh, So once again, uh, these are the children that came into Egypt, and uh, basically it comes to 70 souls. Exodus 1.5, 70 souls. We know 70 actually is the number for the nations, uh, which is very interesting, and you can also find a reference to... uh, uh, 70 bulls being offered by King Hezekiah in 2 Chronicles 29.32. So the number 70 is very interesting. Uh, the nation of Israel is celebrating 70 years this year as a nation, the nation of Israel. How exciting is that? And so, of course, we, uh, as we look at the land of Egypt, what was the land of Egypt? What is it filled with? Oh, Well, at this point, it was uh, filled with the, the children of Israel. That's right. The children of Israel. It was filled with the children of Israel. Isn't that incredible? Uh, they were not the minority. They were the majority. Now, did the new king of Egypt know Joseph? Uh, no, he did not. No, he did not know Joseph. And uh, it's very interesting that they were actually saying that a, uh, a group of people or a, an ethnic group, the Hyksos, uh, ethnic group came into Egypt to rule and reign. And of course, they would have been a minority even among the Egyptians. And so they were, uh, they were concerned. Uh, the king of Egypt, uh, actually, uh, 
he feared that the Israelites would be mightier than him and fight against him with his enemies. Uh, so that uh, sounds like a complex to me, an inferiority complex or whatever. Not that we can't see that in some of the nations today and some of the leaders. Yeah, well, we in, see that. We in, see that. There's a, you know, they call it, uh, I think the word is xenophobia, but a fear of, of immigrants or something like that. And I think that we call that out probably where it doesn't belong in our political climate, but a fear of, of people coming and then growing into a greater number than the indigenous people that, that currently live in a nation is, is a fear that, that is alive and well today. Oh, it's very interesting. And so uh, the king of Egypt actually, uh, you know, he, uh, he set uh, taskmasters uh, over the children of Israel, taskmasters over the children of Israel. And uh, of course, it says the children of Israel, they built the treasure cities. And um, what what happened to the children of Israel the more they were afflicted in Exodus one twelve? What what actually happened to the children of Israel the more they were afflicted? Man, they were like a pressure cooker. The more that they got afflicted, the the more they multiplied. The more they reproduced and had more babies. They grew. They grew. So it's very interesting. Uh, even if we look back at the early church, uh, persecution in the early church caused it to increase. Caused it to increase. So, uh, you know, a lot of times uh, that you'll see that actually being played out, which is very interesting. And, uh, you know, we can stop and see what the world can do for us. The world's not our friend. Uh, we're in the world, but we're, you know, but we're not of the world. And the, uh, the, the Egyptians, you know, made, they made the lives of the children of Israel bitter. They made their lives bitter. And that's one thing we can look at uh, in this story. They purposely try to make their lives bitter. We can see this being played out today in anti-Semitism, you know. Just let's come against the Jews, let's blame them for everything and, and all these other things. And then, of course, we're going to see some very interesting uh, points being made here in this Torah portion in regards to as these uh, you know, babies were being born, the children of Israel were increasing. We have the names of two Hebrew midwives called Shifra and Pua. And uh, Shifra means beauty. And Pua means mouth. So it's very interesting. These two midwives were actually uh, uh, instructed by the king of Egypt uh, to kill the males. Any males that were born from the Hebrew mothers, kill them. You know, kill them. And uh, we see a very interesting prophecy actually being played out here, uh, found in, in Genesis 3.15, that there would be enmity against the woman's seed and Satan's seed. So in the very beginning... Satan knows that there's a seed of the Messiah. And so this murdering spirit is there uh, to, to, to take care of that prophecy, to go after that seed of the Messiah. Uh, we can actually see this even played out in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 20, uh, in regards to Herod wanting to find the baby Jesus, the Messiah, and kill him. And they had all the children killed in Bethlehem, all the sons, uh, two years and under. Of course, the Magi knew in a dream not to go back to Herod because they knew that he was not going to worship him but want to kill him. And so this is what we're dealing with today. Uh, even in regards, I don't have time to read it all, but I'm going to give you some references. Uh, Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 5, as soon as that child would be born, uh, which is the Messiah um, from uh the seed of Israel, uh, this is, of course, an astronomical sign in, in Revelation 12, but that he would want to kill this particular messianic seed. And, of course, he failed. Uh, the Messiah was born. He suffered, died, and was buried and rose again. And so, you know, the, uh, the story goes on here. And so the, uh, the midwives actually uh, uh, were instructed uh, to allow 
all of the females, the daughters, to live. Let the daughters live. And so we can see that uh, in the story as well. It's kind of interesting, uh, a one-child policy or something, even in China, trying to control the population, you know. Um, and that's another thing that's kind of happening under the radar uh, as far as the New World Order and different things is that uh, they believe that the earth is overly populated. And so you're going to see ways in which they could try to depopulate the earth. But we serve a God that increases. Uh, he wants us to increase. He wants us to have a quiver full of children and all these things. And so the, going back to the Hebrew midwives, you know, they allowed these male children to live. They, they feared God. And so they allow these uh, male uh, children to live. And so they give this reason uh, for allowing these uh, Hebrew newborn males to live by saying that the babies were born before the midwives could get there, Exodus 1.19. So the, the babies were born before the midwives could get there. And, you know, when, when, the, uh, when the children of Israel multiplied and became mighty, you know, I'll tell you what the Lord did for the midwives, uh, what God did. He, uh, he dealt with them and, and gave them houses, you know. He gave them houses, and uh, what a blessing that, that they received that. And uh, we can see this uh, genocide being played out in Exodus 122. Uh, what did Pharaoh charge his people to do to all the sons and daughters of the children of Israel? Uh, well, he told them, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. And so that's the same as is what happened in the book of Matthew when they went through and he said, go and kill all of the, the men, child, two and under, uh, trying to kill the Messiah. And so it's the same idea here. They're trying to stamp out the seed of God, uh, the Messiah, and unsuccessfully, obviously, but casting them into the river. It's a horrible death. Right. And so in Galatians 3.29, we discover that when we're in Christ, we are truly the seed of Abraham, heirs according to the promise. And in Isaiah 53.10, a reference is made as Yeshua hung on the cross that he would see his seed. He would see his offspring, you know, those that would uh, cling to the Son and the name, in the name of the Father and all that. And so we can see this being played out. And so now a tribe is going to come into the picture, a particular tribe, the house of Levi. Levi is going to come into the picture. And uh, this particular uh, couple had a, uh, a baby boy, and uh, they, they hit him for three months. And then, uh, of course, they couldn't keep him anymore, any longer. But, uh, you know, this little boy was goodly, uh, the Hebrew word for well-pleasing and fruitful. And uh, you can also find in Acts 7.20 in reference to the appearance or the characteristics of this little boy uh, that was going to be thrown into uh, the river, but uh, in an ark. Uh, it means exceeding fair in the Greek, uh, once again, Acts 7.20, or the word, it means handsome, handsome. And so why is this so important that the, the, the Levites are mentioned now? The tribe of Levi was responsible with instruction in the Torah. You can read about this in Malachi chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. They were responsible for teaching the Torah. You know, it's interesting, Ryan, today, when you have a problem or situation, you're supposed to go to the clergy and get help. You know, the clergy is here to help the people, to, to, to coach them along, to, 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 you know, to have empathy. And now the clergy today has a bad rap and people would rather go to the medicine cabinet or the liquor cabinet uh, than to the clergy. They would rather, you know, be exploited in that manner. But actually, the clergy is here to to help and, and to do all these things. So uh, once again, they uh, the 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 mother put him in an ark of bulrushes and, and hit him in the river, which is kind of interesting because she she complied with casting him into the river, 
she just put him in an ark and floated him down the river. You, you know, to see what's going to happen. I guess she must have been led, and it's kind of interesting too because uh, actually the mother instructed uh, to take uh, uh, a walk along the the riverbank there to make sure the little boy uh, to see where he would go, and it was his sister Miriam. Miriam, and uh, once you uh, figure out the sibling. Uh, order here, you're going to find out that Miriam was the firstborn. And in Exodus 7, 7, we can find out that Aaron was 83 years old and Moses is 80 years old. So once again, Miriam's going to play a part of uh, of being a part of this uh, Exodus as well. And she's the firstborn. Uh, Aaron's the middle child. And we know he gets in trouble later on, which is kind of interesting. And then, of course, we have the uh, the youngest, which is going to be chosen by God, uh, to lead the people. Uh, and of course, once again, this will play out later when Miriam kind of goes in, you know, with uh, in, 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 with Aaron and tries to come against Moses, and she's going to pay a price, but uh, she actually gets uh, able to repent and come back into the camp. Uh, so this uh, daughter of Pharaoh comes down to the river to wash herself, and uh, and of course, as they uh, saw the ark, uh, her maidens went and got the ark and brought it to the uh to the daughter of Pharaoh, and of course he was weeping, he was crying, you know. And um, of course, you know, uh, when Pharaoh's daughter had compassion on the baby boy, what question did the boy's sister ask Pharaoh's daughter? So now Miriam pops out of the cattails, you know. And what does she do? Uh, well, she asked, shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? So obviously Pharaoh's daughter uh, was not able to nurse the child because she was not with child as well. And uh, there was also some speculation that it's possible that uh, Pharaoh's daughter couldn't have children, which is why she was so excited to get Moses um, out of the... But that's obviously not in the text. That's a speculation that's made. You know, it's interesting, Ryan, as we as you see things being played out, we talk about, and this is not to degrade our, our family tree, because we all come from Adam and Eve, and we all come from Noah, you know, it, believe it to be so. But um, I find it interesting that, once again, deception runs... In the house of Israel, uh, and so what does she do? She she runs and gets the child's mother, and uh, she gets paid for doing it, Ryan. And of course, she is the mother naturally, and now she's going to get paid to do it. So this is a pretty good. So Moses' operation. mom, who is nursing him anyways, and was afraid he was going to die, is now getting paid to nurse her own child. So you know, I mean, I think that it's everything that's done here in the story is incredible, but I do want to point out the deception. You know, and I'm just encouraging all of you that are involved in the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement. You know, we all have to deal with deception and lying, some form or fashion, and we we can't be ashamed of the gospel. We can't be ashamed of Yeshua, and that we are grafted into the olive tree. And uh, once again, God takes no pleasure in anybody who shrinks back. And so, you know, uh, what was what was the name given to the young boy when he became the son of Pharaoh's daughter? Uh, Moshe or Moses. That's right, Moses, and it means drawn out of the water. You know, Moses is not a Hebrew name, you know. It's not Hebrew. And so, once again, drawing out of the water. His name means rescued. And it comes from number 4871 in the Strong's Concordance. Mashah, to pull out, literally or figuratively. You know, in the Aleph Beta videos, they made a very good point. They talk about Moses, of course, taking the people... Right through the right, right through the Red Sea, and uh, and then of course the wall to the left and wall to the right of water, and they walk through, and here he is, and they're on dry ground because this wasn't the first time. So that he's he was named pulled out. drawn out or drawn out of the water and rescued. 
and rescued. And so he becomes the rescuer or the one that draws out. Absolutely. And this is what's so amazing. You know, That's to cool. me, it's just very amazing. And so when Moses was grown and saw one of the Egyptians beating his brethren, what was his response? He, he went and slew him, uh, which is interesting, too. The, the same Aleph Beta video makes a, uh, an interesting point about Moses' character, that he saw the, the pain that the Hebrew Israelite was, um, was facing with the Egyptian beating him, and he went and did something about it. So he saw the need, and he went to solve it and to help. Yeah, empathy or compassion. You know, his mother empathy. taught him that, pulling him out of the water, yep. uh, which is which is very interesting. You know, and this of course wasn't his birth mother, but his uh, you know the mother that was of course with him. And so anyway, the very next day Moses saw two of his brethren striving together. When he tried to intervene, what two questions were asked Moses by the one doing the harm to the other? So once again, here's another situation where Moses is trying to intervene as a peacemaker and helping the situation. Yeah, this is funny, too, because of who's saying it, but it says, And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killedest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. And so in Exodus 2.15, Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. Amen. And uh, he just, he was scared. He, 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 he knew Pharaoh was going to kill him, and so he took off to the land of Midian. Uh, today, this is the country of Saudi Arabia. Of course, Saudi Arabia is not in the news much, is it? But the Midianites, you know, came forth from Abraham and Keturah. When Abraham married Keturah after the death of Sarah, we actually have another ethnic group of people, another son, Midian, who becomes the Midianites. So it's interesting how we're all related. When you stop and think about uh, Judaism, uh, you know, uh, Christianity and Islam, to some degree, there's a lot of uh, similarities, some interesting things that are being played out here. So he flees, and of course, uh, what does he do? He comes to uh, to uh, the the land of Midian to a well, actually to a well, and <laughs> which uh, is the best place to meet women. There, there you the go. Bible. And of course, uh, how many daughters did the priest of Midian have? He had seven. And what was his name? His name was Ruel, and that's the only name we have for him at this point. That's it. Ruel. It means friend of God. Of course, seven means completion. I have four daughters. And uh, once again, seven kids. Yes, I have three sons and four daughters, and the Lord knows how much you can handle. That's right. And uh, just want to do a little shout out as well. My little Briella is five years old today on January 2nd. I love that little girl, and she reminds me of a little Shirley Temple with her curls and everything, but... She's very excited to celebrate her birthday today. So happy birthday to Briella. And, uh, you know, how did Moses help Raul's daughters at the well? How did he help, Ryan? Uh, well, he, he went and helped them. I guess there were some shepherds that were uh, bullying their way uh, to feed their flocks and trying to prevent other people from getting to the well. And so Moses went and stood up for the women and uh, actually helped them by drawing the water for their flocks and, and giving water to their flocks. And of course, you know, uh, because of this, uh, we move ahead in the story. And uh, of course, Zipporah, uh, Raul's daughter, is given uh, to Moses. Her, her name actually means bird. And because of that, uh, yeah, they actually have a, uh, his, the first son. And of course, his first son was Gershom. And his name means, I have been a stranger in a strange land. Now, all of a sudden, you know, we're going to reflect on the story. Moses is 40 years old. He has fleed now. He's married. He has this son. And uh, 
in Exodus 2.23, we have the king of Egypt uh, is, has died. And, uh, of course, we know that uh, in Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, um, the question is, did God hear the groaning of the children of Israel and remember the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And the answer is Absolutely. yes. Absolutely. Yeah, so what's another name for Raul, the father of Zipporah? Yitro or Jethro. Yitro, which means excellence, excellence. So God hears the groaning of the people, and of course what's going to happen now is uh, there's going to be an epiphany, there's going to be an encounter between Moses and God, because what did uh, when Moses took Jethro's flock to the backside of the desert at Horeb, what did he see? Uh, well, he saw an angel and a burning bush that was not consumed. Now, it's interesting because because in verse 3, it says, I will now turn aside. You know, we uh, move so fast in this culture, and uh, I'm a fast walker and a fast talker, and I am learning to slow down and to be more observant, you know, uh, be more observant. So now he says, I will now turn aside. And so um, actually God tells him, hey, put off your shoes for this is holy ground, you know, Put off your shoes, for this is holy ground. So once again, God is manifesting in a burning bush. And because he's doing this, the place is holy. And he has to take off his shoes. I thought that was very, very awesome, because this is an attribute of our loving God. He is a holy God. And so um, God tells him, hey, listen, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh that you should bring forth my children out of Egypt. That's Exodus 3.10. He he tells Moses, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh so that you can go and tell him, let my people go. I love that. And so, you know, Moses is like, holy vey, what are you talking about? He, so, he, so he asked God a question. What was the name given by God to Moses to tell the children of Israel? It was, uh, it was I am that I am, or I am who I am. And that was the Eye, or what is it, Hayah? That's right, Hayah. 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 Yep, so... Um, yeah, depending on on you know, obviously there's there's uh, conversations about how to pronounce any of God's names at this point, but it's uh, Aye or Haya uh, was the name given, and it was Aye Aser Aye, and it's of course found over three thousand five hundred times in the Old Testament. Haya means to exist, be or become, come to pass, beacon. I've heard it said like this: He's a present God. So right now, as we do this podcast, the Great I Am is here. He's present. And that should make you shudder. That should make you think twice. So he's an ever-present God, no matter what. Uh, and so that's what I love. And of course, uh, was the name I am God's name forever and a memorial for all generations? I think it was just some generations. I believe it's all generations. Exodus 3.15, Ryan, check it out. <laughs> I am is for today. I'm kidding. You're right. And uh, and of course, it's great. And uh you know, as 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 uh, things start to fall into place, and as, as Moses is instructed, I can't encourage all of you enough involved in the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith movement. This is not a free-for-all. This is not a movement that you can just do what you want to do, say what you want to say, be who you want to be. God has order, and I believe He's giving us some marching orders. I believe He's, he's giving us steps to take to see the restoration, the regathering of the whole house of Israel. And, and I'm only saying that because in Exodus 3.16, the reference of Moses meeting up with the elders of Israel is important. So Moses is not going to be some lone ranger. There's going to be an accountability, and you're going to see this, this story actually 
being played out. And so how many days' journey into the wilderness was Pharaoh told were needed in order for the children of Israel to sacrifice to God? Three. Three days. Three is divine. It is of the Lord, okay? Three means divine of the Lord. And so in Exodus 3.20, it says, And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. Now, we know the promises of God in, in epigelia in, in the Greek means the divine assurance of good. And of course, what's, what, what are the children of Israel going to need? They're going to need favor, Ryan, in Exodus 3, 21. They're going to have favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so much so that they're going to have they're going to have three possessions given to them by the Egyptians, jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment or clothing. So this is what's really astounding. Now, they're going to go into the wilderness with all of these goods and all these things, and we talk about this all the time. God hasn't given us all this stuff to be selfish. He's given us the things that we have to share, uh, to, to help others. Uh, just like when we all went camping, you know, we were able to share firewood. I know Tom cut a bunch of firewood for me, and so I was able to take that firewood and share it with others because it wasn't just for me. And of course, you know, uh, we're going to see this being played out because, you know, God is trying to encourage Moses in some incredible things because he actually says, well, who should I say has sent me? Uh, and he's going to go into this big, long discourse here. But, you know, the, the Lord understands what Moses is going up against. You oh, know, yeah. there's and, magicians, oh, yeah. Egyptian magicians he's going to have to be facing here pretty soon. Oh, yeah. A bunch of, you know, a bunch of, you know, charlatans and things. And this uh, is just the prophecy. This is just God telling him what's going to happen. But um, you know, it, it, it says that the, the uh, Israelites are going to have favor with the Egyptian. And it's important. I've heard a pastor that I personally like uh, say that you should always pray for favor, not finances, because the favor of God can come upon you and be much better than just finances that you would do with, uh, on your own. And he's, of course, telling Moses, listen, you're going to cast your rod to the ground, it will turn into a snake. He says, listen, you can better put your hand into your bosom and pull it out and it'll be leprous, put it back, it'll be healed. You're going to be able to turn water into blood. These are three incredible signs that are going to happen because he's going to go up against the magicians. He's going to go up against the occult. And the occult is something that's very prevalent today. We need the Holy Spirit, okay, to outdo the occult. Because the only thing that can beat the occult is the Holy Spirit. You know, there's thousands of spirits, but only one Holy Spirit. And so we can see this very, 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 very much played out in Moses' life. And so Moses says, listen, I'm slow in speech of a slow tongue, you know, I'm not a public speaker, I'm not a, I'm not a good speaker, you know. And so, you know, uh, the Lord was angry. He says, all right, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you Aaron as a spokesman, okay? So he's, he's preparing Moses, he's giving him all these things, he's telling him what to do, and, and it's almost like he's trying to back out, you know. God hates excuses, you know. Uh, he, he, was, he was trying to excuse himself from being a leader. You know, I, I kind of laugh at this because when my father-in-law passed away, you know, I, I never anticipated that I would have to lead the congregation, and, and with great trepidation and even fear and, and dread, you know, I, I moved into that role because I knew that I had to be without excuse. You know, God dislikes people pleasers and excuses. Man, if God is showing you something, do it. Do it. Do it in the fear of the Lord and be confident about it. You know, there's good ideas and there's God ideas. And I really pray every day that I would fall into the God ideas. And so he says, Moses, listen, I'm going to give you Aaron, okay? And, and of course, what did Moses do? Uh, because of, of course, divine order and having a good family here, he, 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 uh, 
he asked Jethro, can, can he go back to Egypt? And, and, and what was Jethro's response? Not to hold him back like Laban did Jacob. He goes, go in peace, go in shalom, go for it, Moses. You can do this, you know, and, and encourage him and didn't hold him back, you know. So, so Moses was without excuse now. He couldn't lollygag. He couldn't just drag his feet. You know, and that's just like the story when the servant of Abraham went to go get a, a spouse, a bride for Isaac. You know, there was, uh, you know, the family there, and Laban was one of the brothers to, of course, uh, Rebecca. Uh, oh, let her stay a few more days and this and that. But she wanted to go with the man and go to, to Isaac. And that's why we don't want to procrastinate in the days in which we live. And so, you know, God tells him, listen, Moses, the person who is coming after you or is going to kill you has been dead. And so he, he, he says, okay. So he took his wife and sons uh, back to Egypt. And of course, uh, what happens? What happens uh, when these wonders start to happen before Pharaoh? Pharaoh hardens his heart. He hardens his heart. Well, God hardens Pharaoh's heart, right? And so in, in, in Exodus 4.22, Ryan, what two things was Moses to say to Pharaoh that the children of Israel were to God? He says, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Wow. And so, and so that corresponds with the next verse to the plague that he says he, wa- he wants him. He, wa- he wants him, you know. Yeah. And, so, and so as we look at this story being played out, even in Exodus 4.23, I'm going to read it to you. Exodus 4.23 says... And I say unto thee, let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. So the firstborn belongs to God anyway. So how could he take the Egyptians' firstborn? Or how could he take any firstborn? Well, he can because he's God. And he's even telling Pharaoh what he's going to do in advance. If you do not let my son go, I'm going to take yours. And so, you know, and then there's a situation where Moses was supposed to circumcise his son in Exodus 4, 25 and 27, and Zipporah does it and uh, really saves Moses' life. You know, at one point, I guess he was supposed to circumcise his son. He didn't. And she took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and threw it at the feet of her husband, you know, in disgust, like, you should have been the one to do this, and I did it. And by the way, because I did it, I saved your life. And that's, that's an interesting point to be made as we are called and hear from God that we need to be careful that we do follow uh, God. And so uh, Aaron is going to go into the wilderness to meet uh, Moses, and they're going to kiss, and it's going to be awesome, awesome reunion. Isn't that incredible? Here, here Moses is being reunited with his family like we believe we're going to be reunited with Judah because Judah approaches Joseph. Judah approaches Joseph. So we're being drawn to the Jewish people. We love the natural branches. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And there's a family reunion happening right now that the Jewish people are coming back into our life. And we just, we love that. We just love that with all of our heart. And so now we're going to have Moses and Aaron, and they're going to gather the elders of the, the children of Israel together. And then, of course, here's a good question. What two things did the people do after believing that God was aware of their affliction? Uh, They bowed down their heads and they worshiped Him. So here it goes. There's no going back, everybody. They're moving forward with this exodus. Right now, in the Hebrews of the Christian faith, there's ten virgins. Five of them are foolish. you got to have oil in your lamp. Don't think you can do something at the last minute. God's preparing us for something big right now. And in Exodus 5.1 it says, And afterward... Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. 
Israel needs to celebrate the feasts, and they have to come out of the world or Egypt to do it, Ryan. And this is a phenomenon that's happening all over the world. People want to celebrate the feasts. Why? Because they're the Lord's feasts. Amen. And they're the real deal, you know? Amen. You give up something to gain something that's more truthful, that has truth to it, you know? And so uh, Pharaoh didn't know the God of Israel. He did not know the God of Israel. Hey, he did not know that. the great I, I am. Know you know, not they, this God. they worshiped a lot of different gods, but they didn't know the great I am. But guess what? They're getting ready to know him. And oh, yeah. So oh yeah, they're about to meet him. They're getting ready, you know. And so what were the two judgments that God would do to Israel if they did not obey? Uh, he would send pestilence upon them and the sword. He would fall on them pestilence or the sword. Wow. You know what? See, you can't come into the Hebrews of the Christian faith and think you're just going to walk away. You can't do it. He won't let you. He won't let you be comfortable. Some of you have gone astray. Some of you have left the community. You need to get back in fellowship with the body of Christ. Amen. And uh, just for the sake of time, we're going to just say that because of this dialogue between Moses and Pharaoh and, and Aaron and the elders, uh, Pharaoh's going to try to make it tough on the children of Israel. He's going to make it tough on them. He's going to have them make more bricks than they've ever made before and have to gather their own straw. He, he's going to be a backbreaker, you know. And, uh, and, and you know what? Pharaoh was mad. He, got, he, he became harsh with the Hebrew people uh, because they were going to sacrifice to their God when they left Egypt. You know, people attack us because we want to worship God. People come after us because we want to be obedient. And you know what? We just have to be obedient, you know. Oh yeah, and, and, and I always find that interesting. You know, for people who are are keeping the feast and the Sabbath and and doing these things, and, and there will be people that you know to their own demise will come up against you. And it's interesting because the Holy Spirit convicts the world of three things: sin, righteousness, and judgment. And when people encounter righteousness, they really encounter a lot of times personally their own lack of righteousness, and so they become jealous or envious or um, or or they you know feel like uh, it's an affront to them. And really, it's nothing you've done. And so don't feel you know, beat up or anything like that for keeping the feast of the Lord. you got to get out of the world. you got to make a decision for yourself. And other people will follow you, as you'll see in the story. And you know, uh, of course, the officers, they blamed... Um, and, you know, the officers of the children of Israel blamed Moses and Aaron for their affliction. They blamed them. You know, once again, your paradigm is changing. Your perspective is changing. See, really, none of us have ever really changed. It's just our perspective has changed. And that's the beauty of it. And now you're making better decisions. You're doing things, amen. And uh, Moses, of course, uh, did Moses return to the Lord and ask why deliverance had not come to the children of Israel? It's a timing thing, isn't it? Absolutely. He's like, come on, how come you haven't delivered them, you know? Because see, God's not microwavable. He's not a drive through God. He's not a God that, like a CD, you can pop him in and pop him out, you know? He's a God of a timetable and, and, and good time, you know? And, and oh, by the way, there's no such thing as quality time. You're either giving great lengths of time in your time or you're just not. Just remember that. And so, uh, you know, God did not ignore Moses when he cried out on behalf of the people. God did not ignore Moses when he cried out on behalf of the people. You know, Moses was crying out. You know, he showed compassion to the one Egyptian beating up his Hebrew brother and, and, and murdered him and got him out of the way. And then he saw two brothers fighting. He, he's a man full of empathy. Moses had empathy. Amen. And, uh, and last but not least, what part of the body was God going to use to deliver his people out of Egypt? It was his hand. And here's, here's uh, Exodus 6, uh, verse 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see that I will do to, what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out. 
of his land. That's and awesome. It is. And so that's the end of the Torah portion. It ends at uh, chapter 6, verse 1, and the next uh, Torah portion, Vayera, starts uh, where this one left off on 6-2. And, uh, but w- what an awesome uh, story. I think everybody's seen the Charlton Heston version, uh, the Ten Commandments of the, the people of Israel coming out, and, and all the drama. Uh, I mean, this story really is a dramatic story. It's an awesome story uh, of biblical proportions, literally. And so uh, it's one of the things that we can appreciate. We can dig into the details. I encourage everybody to, to dig in and study uh, we really appreciate you listening uh, with us. And, and remember, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to help you understand that the Torah is, is relevant for today, that it's not so, uh, so you know, out of your, your reach that you can't understand it, that if you just read it plainly and take it for what it is, uh, that you can really get a lot out of it, that you can learn biblical principles and, uh, and a godly way of living and, and learn from the, the victories and mistakes of, of the people that, that went before us. And so, as usual, you guys can reach out to us uh, uh, through our website at uh, topraise.net. You can uh, email us at info at topraise.net. That's topraise.net. And, uh, or you can call the office at 813-654-2222. And so uh, we pray that uh, God blesses you guys this week. Uh, dig into his word. Uh, love him. Pray. Uh, do your spiritual exercises. We encourage you to do so. You guys have a great week.